Hello, everybody. Happy Advent, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa season. This is the Board Game Mechanics, and I am Katie. With me, as always, is... Hey, guys, what's going on? It is Jason. And the holiday season is in full swing at our house. We got the tree up. I I think, luckily, get to sit in the room with the tree while we record. Got my nativity scenes up. Got lights. Got festive throw pillows. That's right. Nativity scenes. Yeah. You I, you got to have more than one. They're different kinds. Kind of, I want some more. I think we're good. I think we're good on nativities. No, they're like my favorite thing. Ever since I was a little girl, we had one that I actually have now um, that my aunt brought back from Nigeria when she came back to the States. And as a child, my grandma would let me set it up and I we would always like move around the pieces like, oh, the baby needs to go here and the shepherds need to go here and the angel can go here. And like we were always kind of arranging it. And so I still <laughs> do that 30 years later. Yeah, you, you, do, you do like having that special arrangement of uh, of the people. Well, everybody's got to be seen, and you want to make the Holy Family the focal point, and, you know, you just, it's it's just got to be right. I love it. I have a willow tree, willow tree um, nativity that I love, 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 and I have, like, a lot of pieces for it, like a whole lot. I probably have like 20 sheep or something. I feel like the sheep keep growing all the time. There are black sheep, brown sheep, all the color of sheep. I got I got some two, two-tone sheep too. Oh, you do? Yeah, they look like Suffolks. Huh. It's a sheep breed. You don't know about that. Um, and then I've got goats, a couple of goats. I think there's three goats, an ox, a donkey, a camel. The camel's big. They're proportion. It's proportional, I think. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I love that. It's good. So yeah, I'm, I was so excited to to jump into the Christmas season this year. I feel like 2020 just had me wanting <laughs> to start something, celebrate to celebrate and be festive and fun. We had a snow day this week with our kids. It was beautiful. Um, my birthday is in a couple of days. I'll be 37, and I love my birthday. Because my personality is to want to be the center of attention. And I know this. My sister hates it. She always like purposely ignores me on my birthday because she doesn't want to give me any more attention. Um, but I, lo- I, I love it. And so I, to, your birthday is the day when people are supposed to pay attention to you. So it's like my favorite thing. But 37 is a hard, it's a hard one for me. I feel Why? like. It's not, it's not 40. It's but it is so much closer to 40 than it is to 30. And like 37, like I'm not even, I'm upper 30s, which means 40 is next, which 40 is like middle aged. I never thought of myself as like a middle aged mom. Like, <laughs> I mean, you're basically one foot in the grave. I feel like right it. I feel like it. Like, I feel like wrinkles are just going to be sprouting everywhere. Um, gray hair that I just really haven't had, actually. Because you dye your hair. I don't dye, like, okay, especially during the beginning of quarantine, there was plenty of time there for gray hairs to be seen in my hair when I wasn't going to a salon. It wasn't open. And there were none. Thank you very much. 
Okay, just fine. because okay. you have so much gray hair, Mr. Salt and Pepper, because it looks good on a man. I don't have gray hair. I haven't dyed the top of my hair in forever. You, you, you look at it. I will look at it when we're done recording. You better. I demand <laughs> to be. You know what? After this gets posted on Friday, I'm going to take a picture of the crown of my head, which has not been dyed for, I don't know, um, since before quarantine, I think. Because the you last. Just sent it to, you should send it to me before you post it, and then I'll do my little magic. No, no, I'm going to post it myself. The last time I. Because when I got it dyed last, I just added purple to the bottom. So I'm going to take a picture of the top of my head so everybody can see, all the listeners can know. <laughs> if you're on Facebook or a Facebook group, hashtag the riveted, you can see the evidence that I do not have gray hair, no matter what Jason says. <laughs> All right. I think that's enough talking about here. <laughs> anyway, so my birthday is Monday, December 7th, and I like it because I like the attention, but also I have to share it with Pearl Harbor Day. So since that is a day that will live in infamy that happened 40 Two years before I was born, it kind of can sometimes take precedence. The media, I know, the media is not as interested in my birthday as it is in Pearl Harbor Day Remembrance. And having a little Japanese grandma, she always remembered my birthday because it was on Pearl Harbor Day. Um, And she died last week, just before Thanksgiving. So this year is going to be a little bit bittersweet, which is so 2020. But there are still some awesome things happening, and that is my segue into awesome things happening on Kickstarter. It's time for some news. So the first game I want to talk about caught my eye because it's Harry Potter, and I'm a total Potterhead, a proud Gryffindor, and that is Harry Potter Catch the Snitch, a Wizards sports board game. This is essentially Quidditch, the board game version. Um, It reminds me of games that I don't play. Um, (laughs) Games like where you move around, like like those Star Wars games where you move the ships around and stuff. It's full of miniatures. You have Quidditch teams. So you can choose from one of the house teams. You've got your keeper, your seeker, your two beaters, your three chasers, um, all like mounted. So it looks like they're flying. The little mount's clear. And for those of you that love to paint minis, they're just in house colors. You could totally prime them, um, paint them like the characters. They do have some that are characters from the movie, which I think is super cool, which I love. Um, And so the... The cool thing is, like, you're moving around, you're wanting your chasers to score with the quaffle, you're trying to use the beater to work against the other team, and your seeker's going after the snitch, your keeper's trying to stop the scoring happen, just like the Quidditch game. It wasn't really clear on the mechanics, they were just so happy to show you all the miniatures that you could get. And there's expansion upon expansion. They've got all kinds of ways to soup up this game, like with a bigger Quidditch pitch to play on, and with miniatures for everybody, not just new players. Um, but also, I, and I, I was trying to see how this worked in the game. The spectators are part of how you play the game. And what? Yeah, I, I, like they're in the stands. So I'm not quite sure. There's like an ex, one of the like upgrades that you can have is like. Minish- the cardboard cutout expansion? No, miniatures like Luna Lovegood and Hagrid and Hermione, like that are spectators. So I don't quite know how that works there is like a little box stand like a stand like one of the stands that they would watch and there's circles there to, for you to play 
um, spectators, so they have something to do with the strategy in the game. It seems like it could be really cool. Um, so if you like Harry Potter, if you like this kind of games, like movement, sort of attacking kind of games, it seems like it could be really strategic. Um, check out Harry Potter Catch the Snitch, a wizard sports board game. There's six days left um, on the campaign. And to just get the basic one is $103 because you've got, <clears throat> I know, you've got all those miniatures. You're rolling dice to like resolve and do your actions on your turn. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there. There's an expansion you can get that's the Quidditch World Cup. You can get um, miniatures of the national team. You can get miniatures of all like different Hogwarts characters that played Quidditch. Um, there's just a lot of an opportunity to go hog wild on this one. So check it out if you like Harry Potter and games like that. Catch the snitch. Six days left. $103. Uh, I like Harry Potter games, but I don't like anything else about this game, I don't think. There's minis and probably fighting. And for a minute, I thought I was on a different podcast because there was a lot of talk about minis and all that. So calm down. There was no Cthulhu talk. That's true. I, I was, I was really like, I thought I was in another dimension or something. But my next game yeah, is about Cthulhu. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, th- if, if you're into that that type of game, though, this does look cool. I agree. It does look really cool. It's got a high price point, but a lot of miniature games do. So, um, the next game is much more in our wheelhouse. And except I was listening to the video that advertises it on kickstarter and it's all in french and jason was like uh what what is this is this a french game and I'm like, <laughs> i was thinking yes we've expanded to french that's why we're getting all these games in french that i'm opening on the unboxing videos fred and i are going to talk in french fred i should have i i don't know how to say fickle favorite in french but you you're my fickle favorite for giving me that lovely compliment in french En français, on YouTube. Merci beaucoup, mon ami. Thank you. Um, but this... Wow, was that was that a return of the fickle favorite? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, just for Fred. Now, Fred, don't go making it weird, because we know how you get a little <laughs> off color yeah. in your comments. You already have those two strikes, so let's... Uh... <laughs> so, yeah. I know all kinds of words in French, including the naughty ones, Fred. So, you better... Better keep it cool. <laughs> um, but this next game is a, is um, made by a French company. And this game is called The Specialist. And what drew me into this is the theme. You are a criminal mastermind. And you are going to be the ringleader for a band of criminals. And you're going to commit crimes. Like high dollar crimes. Heists. You're not just like knocking over old ladies. You are going to casinos in Monte Carlo, like Fa- stealing a Fabergé egg. Yes, possibly. So you are creating your own. You're going to decide, OK, um, maybe I am going to knock over Vegas Casino. And so this particular heist, they'll have cards that give you the heist. You're going to need a contortionist. You're going to need a safe cracker. You're going to need maybe an IT specialist. And so these specialists, hence the name of the game, exist out there. You're going to need to collect dice and r- in order to get the right numbers to draft the specialist to your team. And then that you can also use different kinds of dice to activate powers the specialists have, because they can give you money, they can give you these extra powers. Um, and there's it's kind of a race in that if you hit these certain jobs first, um, if you collect certain types of specialists, you can get these like 
game powers that stay with you, which is really cool. Um, and you're just trying to collect the most money, which makes sense if you are a master thief. The artwork looks artwork looks really cool. I again, I love the theme. So if you like that kind of theme, like I will sit and watch Osin's 11, 12, 13, back to back to back. Um, oh, now you see me. The first one and the second one. Um, is that called 21? That movie where yeah, they count the, cards and like they pull yep, off yep. that kind of. I love, love movies like that. So this looks so awesome. So it's called The Specialist. There's six days left on the Kickstarter and it's 49 bucks, which there's a decent amount of things that come in the game. So it is definitely worth checking out. Yeah, th- that's funny. When you were watching the French video, and then you started talking about the game. I was like, wait a minute. That sounds familiar. And you said, <laughs> you're like, you're, you're all these specialists that are doing things. And I was like, wait a minute. Is this game called Specialists? And then I said, yeah, I reached out to them to see if they'd give us a copy. But I haven't heard back. We but yeah, this game it. looks really cool. <laughs> this game looks really cool. I definitely would play this. Yeah, that looks awesome. My last one is um, a Japanese game. But the video was not in Japanese. It just had soothing music. Was it in French? Uh, no. Oh. It was not. Lame. Sorry. Um, it is called Aqua Garden, and it's beautiful. It has, um, it really has like a classic kind of Japanese look. All the colors are very um, soft and soothing. There's a tranquility to them. They have like a, a lot of like a blue palette to them. It's really beautiful. And not only is it beautiful, but it's got these awesome, awesome, awesome wooden painted shaped meeples that's right because in aqua garden you are actually making an aquarium and you're well also kind of attracting doing some advertising to get money to continue to make your aquarium better so you're also kind of having this balance between making my aquarium awesome there's like these milestones you want to hit for having different types of fish um, and plants and things in there and you have to you also have to be really mindful about how, the combinations of you putting things in your aquarium because you you can get a shark. Well, you can't put a shark with a bunch of fish that'll eat. Um, and even each animal, each species that you have in there has a certain amount of oxygen that it's going to take out of the water. And so there's an oxygen limit in your water. Um, and so you're and it's it's almost it's like a rondel style kind of movement turn thing, but it's not round it's square so it kind of looks like what having an ale that having an ale board where you're moving along the person the farthest behind is the one to move next and you've got spaces where you can collect different types of fish um and then once you collect that fish you're going to move around kind of inside track to put them in an aquarium um there's also advertising spaces where you can go, you're going to advertise, you're going to get some money, which can help you because you get points for money as well. And so you're getting points for the different kinds of fish you have. And there's all different kinds. There's also like sea turtles and whale sharks. And they're all these wooden shaped meeples. Oh my gosh. So cool. And seaweed. And I, I, it's just, it looks amazing. Um, and then there's this really cool strategy component of, okay, what kind of fish do I want to get the most points? What kind of fish can I still have? I can't go too big. They've got oxygen needs. I can't put predators in with prey. It's not going to work. Um, and I also want to get points from money. So I want to get on the advertising spaces and not only get on the fish spaces. Um, 
And then you're moving and you're choosing where you're going to go as you move around that track because the round's over when everybody kind of kind of laps it, the whole board. It looks it looks neat and fun. And I love that theme. So there's nine days left on Aqua Garden and it's 46 bucks for the base. This does sound kind of cool. Um, when you showed me those little meebles earlier or like the animals, mm-hmm. I just thought it was going to be like a little simple game. But if you have like oxygen levels in the water, yeah, that sounds way more intense than I was thinking this game was going to be. Yeah, I still don't think that it's like overwhelmingly hard. Um but you still you still are kind of doing like a balancing act because there's like different zones in the aquarium that you're kind of balancing what goes in there. It's it seems like it's a really cool game. So that's Aqua Garden, nine days and forty six bucks. That sounds good. I like that. Yeah, that's all the news I have. All right, so let's talk about some games played, and we played some games. We did. This last week. We played some games. Two days of games. It was a Thanksgiving to remember. Yeah, Yeah, there was food too, but food's lame. So we played games, um, and we're going to talk about three of about, I think, nine or so games that we played. We picked these three because why not? So the (laughs) first game that we're going to talk about is a game that I've talked about before, but Katie finally played, and that game is called Celestia. So Celestia, like we've mentioned, I think it might have even been on my top 100. I think so. Or at least in the 100 to 150. This is a push-your-luck game where you're in this little airship, and you're trying to determine if you think the captain of the ship for that turn has cards that they can use to play to match the symbols that were rolled on the dice. So as you're moving along these islands, you're going to have more dice to roll, and you're going to deceit. You know, try to determine if you think the captain has the cards that they need to play. If you don't think they can, you can jump out and take some points. It's a race to see who can get to 50 points first. So what did you think about Celestia? We played it twice. So if you didn't like it the first time, maybe the second time changed <laughs> you your mind. You can hate it both times. No, I liked it. I love the artwork of it. I think it's really cute. Also, I'm a sucker for like the tactile components of the little airship that all your pawns fit in, that the pawns are like big chunky things um, that... We play it that you knock over the entire airship when it goes down. Um, I thought it was fun. At first, the first time we played it, I was like, yeah, you know, okay, push your luck. But um, once you kind of get to know what cards are out there, the possibility, um, it's hard because when you are the captain, um, if you don't have it, that stinks. Like, if you don't have the card, you're like, man, I can't choose to bail out. Like, I feel like there was a way to kind of negate this. And there are some special cards that do that, but... For the most part, you're on your own. You just want to take the rest of them down with you, I guess. Um, but I thought it was fun. We played with my sister, my brother-in-law, and my brother-in-law's sister. <laughs> um, and it was it was a fun group. We had a good time, like, kind of going back and forth and um, winning and losing. And I, I think I would like to even play it more to get better strategy-wise. Um, but, it, yeah, it was it's a nice, fun time. I, I kind of feel like it would be even more fun if they made it, like, um, a party game where you could play with a large group of people. Yeah, I think you can play six or seven. I think six, there's just maybe. one more than us, so I think six. I'd like a jum- yeah. a jumbo Celestia that plays up to 12, so it's like a big fat Zeppelin. And then there's like, ooh, ooh what are we going to do? Like, and there's more special cards and things happening. Like, I think that would be cool. But it was fun. I liked it. I, I finally, you finally let me play it with people. I did, I did. I took you out of the closet and I let you play some games. <laughs> I know. Um, so 
I do think you could play this game up to 12. I don't see why you couldn't. You just need more meeples. And there are some expansions mm-hmm. that where you can actually do more interaction and help the captain. So if you stay on the boat or on the airship and he's going to go down, you can give them cards. Oh, I think I would like that. Yes. We just don't have that. We just have the base because that's what they sent us. But I think Brandon has one of the expansions where you can actually pass cards back and forth, which is pretty cool. So cool. Celestia is a really good game. I like it quite a bit because Push Your Luck is awesome. Yeah, I liked it. And it's gorgeous. It, it really is. Nice it's too. so pretty. And everything's fluffy and just really sweet, rounded edge. I like it. All right. So the next game we played was a deck builder, a post-apocalyptic deck builder, which I don't know how you feel about that theme. but Woof is my, uh, yeah. how I feel about that theme. <laughs> right. So, uh, and that game is Arctic Scavengers. Um, we didn't play any of the expansions. We just played the base game. And if you want to know how the game plays, you can go check out our friends over at Board Game Rundown because they just did one of their episodes of Board Game Roulette where they mm. played this game. And because I think Dan really likes it. So he put it in the roulette and it got selected. But so you can go check out their videos, see how to play it. But this is a deck builder where you are trying to score the most points as per usual. But this one has a cool mechanism where you can dig through a junk pile to try to acquire cards for free. So you're going to take an action where you can dig. The only problem is sometimes you may just draw junk. And if you get a junk card, you can keep it if you want, but it does absolutely nothing for you. So normally you just take your junk and put it back in the pile. And at the end of the round, you're going to do some fi- like some fighting, which basically means who has the most points in this one action. And you're going to get to fight for a really powerful card of the round. It's a normal deck builder otherwise, but with the junk pile and the cool contested card. So what, aside from the theme, what did you think about Arctic Scavengers? It's so much like a lot of games that Chris brings over, and I'm like, who would buy this game based on the way this thing looks and based on the theme? Like, it's I don't understand how he can always buy games that are hideous and have some awful, stupid theme that no okay, one cares wait, about. W- wait a minute. I'm getting there. Okay. We're not going to talk about hideousness because I love hideous games. No, it's a different. It's a different. I don't like um, super like realist, more realistic looking like art. On games. I'm thinking that through. So I don't want to see a bunch of people on there that look like oh, I real you. people. I, I don't like that. Right. And plus, I hate everything post-apocalyptic in theme. And I don't want to be in a frozen tundra. So I was like, huh. But <laughs> <laughs> like. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand the frozen tundra thing. But because post-apocalyptic doesn't necessarily mean it has to be snow. I don't know. But sometimes like it's. That, yeah, that happens. Yeah. Nuclear winter. Anyway, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, however, I was pleasantly surprised when we started playing this. <sighs> I wish there was more variety of cards in your starting hand um, to give you different things to do. Like I wanted to do more, and I couldn't in both a good way and a bad way. In a good way because it's like okay, I have to make really careful choices, but in a bad way because I'm like, I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. I'm not getting anywhere. Um, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. But, like, my favorite part was when you're the first player, you get to look at the card that's going to be up for grabs in that kind of battle. And I just stinking love that secret information because I am nosy as crap. And I just want to know. Like, I want to know all the secrets. Um, so I really loved that part more than anyone probably should when playing this game. Yeah. Yeah, you really did. 
really I was like, ooh, I get to know the secret. And then if there's a tie, that um, that card goes into the junk pile to be that you could kind of dig through at a, la- at a different action on a later turn. And so I'm like, ooh, I know some cards in the junk pile. Like, I don't know. It was just so exciting. I think I need to play this again a couple more times because I feel like strategy-wise, I wasn't really sure where to go. Um, and so that's even saying something that I'm willing to play it again, despite absolutely hating the theme, absolutely hating the artwork. Um, but it was intriguing. Yeah, I I agree. I, I liked it. It's not my favorite deck builder, but well, no. I think I think it. I liked the junk pile part. I would like to play with maybe one or two of the expansions that came in the box. Yeah, I think that would jazz it up a little bit, give some player powers. And I also think it might have been a little too long. Like, I agree with you that you start out really slow because the, the beginning decks are terrible. Yeah. I mean, most of the time the decks are terrible, but these are, like, terrible. And so you're playing these two rounds before you even start fighting for the cards. And then it's just, I, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of limiting, but and you can only take one of each of the four actions on your turn. So you may draw cards, and then you when the cards you draw have only draw card actions. So they're effectively dead. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's limiting in a good way, but it's also frustrating. But I did like it. It was enjoyable, and I would definitely play it again, too. Yeah, it's it was it was more of a pleasant surprise than an unpleasant surprise. Yeah, I agree. All right, so the last game is a new hotness game. What? Yeah, we played some new hotness. We don't normally talk about new hotness in this section. Or but, ever, because um, we wait ever, until true. it's been out for two years and it's cheap or free. <laughs> <laughs> right, but... Our new hotness buddy brought over some new hotness, so we get to talk about it. And that game is Marvel United. So this is a cooperative game that we actually played twice. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing in this is you're going to take on a Marvel Avenger, and you're going to be fighting a big baddie. I think we fought Red Skull and Ultron. There's also Taskmaster in this version. It was just the Kickstarter base box that we didn't play. But we did fight Red Skull and Ultron. And what you're trying to do is you're going to different locations. You're trying to rescue hostages. You're trying to beat up the thugs. You're also trying to beat up some little mini villains at each location or solve some other issue. All the while watching out for the baddie to move to your location because he'll come slap you around. And trying to make sure he doesn't hit his win condition. So as per usual in a cooperative game. I didn't say that I don't think. But this is a cooperative game. There's like five different ways you can lose and only one way to win. So, you know, you're trying to manage all these actions together and make sure that the bad guy doesn't get too far ahead because then, you know, at any point he could win. So it's just a, you know, it kind of feels a little bit like Thanos Rising, but with it has a little more open information because you're using cards instead of dice. So all that being said, terrible overview of the game. Go watch a video if you want to, to find out more. <laughs> but Katie, what did you think about Marvel United? Now, if we want to talk about kinds of artwork I like, chibi anime artwork, I love it. I love you it. You like that stuff? Yes. I'm Japanese, honey. Of course I like that stuff. It's kawaii. It's so cute. I don't know. I, I don't mind anime, but the chibi stuff, I can't. I can't do chibi. Oh, my gosh. Like Chibis are so cute. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so I loved looking at all the little chibi like mini that you got to play with and move it around even like even red skull was freaking adorable like 
I was like, oh, look at the little red skull. Oh, he's angry. Like, I just couldn't help myself. <laughs> I mean, he is angry. His skull's red. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then, and then Chris said he's angry when people call him cute. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Him, yeah. him a little he angry like red him. skull like it's just <laughs> so cute i couldn't help myself so i loved that um i <laughs> i also like it it reminds me a little bit of um uh thanos rising but not as mean and i don't know if it's because the chibi artwork helped <laughs> me feel better about it but i also felt like there was there were ways to win and it, what i think also is neat is that each the villains have different kind of actions when they're fired off when they move um it's called like a bam or a pow action or something bam 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 action and then different locations can have different bam actions and um that if you like fight and clear a location or rescue you know by innocent bystanders and stuff you can get a special power there so i think that's cool that there's lots of different things happening i love the different special powers in each character's deck that are really thematic because next to chibis i also love theme um things that are thematic and so being able to play as tony like i was iron man who I kept referring to as Tony, like we're friends. Like he's not even real, but I wouldn't even call him Iron Man. I'm like, Tony is going to go here. Um, <laughs> I mean, he Iron Man is Tony. I know, but I'm a dork. Like if y'all didn't notice, know this up by now, this this podcast is totally showing you um, what a complete weeb I am. Um, Nerd. <laughs> it's true. Um, but like as Iron Man... I could play a card that would give me an action, but also because I'm Iron Man slash Tony Stark, I can give resources to other people because Stark's got the money. He's got the resources. So I could hand out tokens to help other people do extra actions, which I thought was really cool. Um, or like um, one of our friends was playing Miss Marvel, right? Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Shoot. Miss Marvel, somebody else. She's playing Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, because she's so strong, could then attack at locations that were adjacent, not even the location that she's at. Which, So I, I just think that those really unique player powers are awesome. I, I'm a big fan of player powers. And I also like the mechanic of not only am I playing a card to dictate my action, but I am able to, I'm also taking the action of the person who played before me. And my card is not only going to work for me, but for the person coming after me. So what do I want to give not only myself, but them that will help them and help us work together? So there's like, it's really hard to quarterback in this because everyone's got different abilities. They can mesh in different ways. There's some like wild kind of free actions. Um, not free actions, like wild. What's another word for that? Yeah, it lets you do one of the three actions. So you can move, fight, or... Um Yes. Like resolve a location. So yeah. you kind of you have a choice there on an action. So then you're like, oh, well, I could play these. So I, I just think there's a lot more flexibility in it. And I think that allows for different gameplay. And I love that the villains can change up what they do. Like there's different kind of paths to victory for like not like, yes, there's one way to win. But versus different villains, there's different kind of requirements. And I thought that was really cool. Plus, it was adorable. So, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, these. This is the type of cooperative game that I like. It, it has a good theme. Um, the the working together is actually like you actually have to actually kind of plan out what you're going to do. 
Like I need the person in front of me to play a card that's going to help me, and I need to play my card to help the person after me. So you're actually working together as opposed to like Thanos Rising, you're rolling dice. There's really no working together because what I do on my turn is not going to benefit you or affect you in any way other than maybe I move the guy and he slaps you around. So yeah, I, I really like this game a lot. Well, and not that there's not some randomness through how you draw the cards off your deck and what the villain's cards are that come out. So there there still is some of that, but I feel like it's it's a lot, it makes a lot more sense. And there is a great kind of synergy. I think that's good. Yep, I agree. All right, so that was the games we played. All right. So we are... We're, we're doing the upper 50 of our top 100. And this podcast, we are talking about games numbers 40 through 31. So, like, we are creeping towards the top of our list. I feel like we're going to have more. I kept thinking that we would have more overlap, like, even within the same list. Yeah, it hasn't been that much. And it hasn't been that much. I'm interested to see what happens when we start heading like top 20 and up. I feel like we have a lot of similar games, but I don't know. When I look at my list for this this week, my game's 40 through 31. There's actually quite a bit of um, deck building in this set. So I think that's really interesting. So do you want to start us off with your number 40? I will. Um, So my number 40 is a game from Bruno Catala, which I seem to have a ton of him on my list. Mm. I don't know why. I mean, he designs good games. They're good games. He usually has good art. I say usually, because this one might be an exception to the rule. <laughs> it's just weird. But it's weird, yeah. My number 40 is Imaginarium. Um, this is an engine building game, kind of, mm. and kind of like a worker placement action selection where you're using this little, I guess it's a mini, and you're going to a spot to kind of program what action you want to take and then based on where you go it's going to allow you to take some kind of card or maybe build some machines so on and so forth get some charcoalium which is like the resource the main resource of the game that's like money and then what you're going to be doing is you have a little clock on your player board it looks like a clock that's going to let you take two actions so you're going to do your little you're going to get wherever you put your guy and then you're going to turn your clock to a new a new section of your board and take two actions there's like eight actions. I'm not going to go into all of them, but you can build machines, repair machines, sell machines, all that good type of stuff. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to be the first person to get to 20 points. But the trick here is this is, that seems easy, but this game advances really slowly. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's over. So you might be playing, you know, the game might go 15 rounds. No one's done anything for 13. And then all of a sudden the last two rounds, someone's got 20. So it's just, it's a slow build, and then all of a sudden, boom, game's over. But that that's not my favorite thing, but I do like it. I, I like this game anyway. So my number 40, Imaginarium. Um, I, d- I don't dislike this game. The artwork is weird. I don't know. I haven't played it for a while. I feel like I need to play it again, but it's just okay for me. My number 40 is a game that I love, but some people seem to find it very difficult and it is definitely um, one of my favorite drafting games. And that is Bargain Quest. First of all, I love the theme. And I think it's kind of humorous and like tongue in cheek to where you are um, a proprietor. You have 
a store that sells like gear and weapons for adventurers. Very much like D&D style. They're going to come, stock up, go out to fight some baddies. And they do fight the baddies in the game. However, you do not care if they win or lose as long as they come back to spend more money at your store. So you're drafting um, different types of magical items to sell and dis- and or display in your store. But there's like these really great like thinky choices because if you display something, it'll attract a certain type of adventurer to your store, but you can't sell the display. So you have to make sure in your store you have other things that you can sell them because you're trying to get the most money. It's a shakedown, man. Um, and so there's like this great balance of, OK, what cards am I going to get? I'm going to sell them this stuff. It's not actually going to help them. But if it does help them, then they come back with more money and um, I can get some more of their money. So there's like it's really kind of lighthearted, tongue in cheek um, drafting game. The artwork's cute. I just think it's a great game. So my number 40, Bargain Quest. Yeah, I do like this one. I think people's big issue with it is sometimes you could get, you could draft a hand of cards that don't go with your hero. And that can be kind of punishing a little bit. But I guess you just got to plan better and play better. That's right. And that won't happen. So, But that was the complaint that I remember people saying. Do better is what I said to them. Right. But I do like this game. I don't know if it's on my top 100 or not, but I do like it. All right, so my number 39 is a game that I wasn't sure I liked at first. <laughs> you didn't. Then then the more I played it, the more I liked it. And that game is called Everdell. Um, so this is um, a tableau builder, not really an engine builder, because sometimes when you play a card, you get a one-time bonus, and then they're just dead. But you're building this little village in front of you with different cards, and you're recruiting critters, you're... Um, um, go into some worker placement spots to get some resources, and you're just trying to score the most points at the end of four. It's four seasons, right? You play all four? Yes. Yeah, so you're just trying to be the person that has the most points at the end of the game. I think. Um, it's, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, it's a worker placement game where you're going to be able to go to a spot, take some cards, and then play those cards into your tableau, get resources. It's nothing like groundbreaking with the gameplay, but it's adorable. It's fun. The way the cards work together is just really cool. And I enjoy it quite a bit. So my number 39, Everdell. I like Everdell. It might be, have I talked about this already? I don't think so. It might be higher. I don't know. We always ask that question. Like either (laughs) one of us is going to know. We don't know. We have no idea. (laughs) We don't even know what's going to come on here unless we go back to look at a list we made forever ago. And we're like, oh, is that the game's cool? Like literally that was my 39 and I wouldn't be able to tell you what my 38 is unless I look at it. (laughs) Yeah, I have in the foggiest. But my 39 <laughs> is not a game about cute animals, even though I do like Everdell. And I may talk about it later in another podcast. I don't know. Um, but my number 39 is Abomination Era of Frankenstein. And we talked about that. That's what it's called, right? Yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah. I just want to make sure it's full title because I just called Abomination for short. Um, yeah. I love this game. I can't. It's a plaid hat game. We can't believe we have. Well, Jason can't. I'm cool with plaid hat. Forgotten Waters dope um abomination though i love that theme that you are like really living in like mary shelley's novel and creating your own monster you are a doctor so you're like improving your skill and collecting body parts and bringing them to life like i love that macabre theme i just think it's fun i like the 
the worker placement choices that you're making. I like the artwork. It's a fun game. We talked about it a lot in our Halloween episode. So if you didn't listen to that, do so. And you'll know all about Abomination. But that's my number 39. Yeah. Great game. I like this one quite a bit. I don't think I like it as much as you, but I do like it. You probably don't. All right. So my number 38, we're going to talk about Uwe Rosenberg. And this is a game about building and shipping and feeding your people. So it could be any of his games. But this one is Lahav. And quick summary, what you're doing in this is you are spending resources to build some buildings, converting resources into better resources, using those resources to ship for money, and feeding your people or you're going to get punished pretty pretty nicely. And you're just trying to be the person that has the most money at the end of the game to, to win. Um, it's pretty straightforward. It's It takes a little bit to set up, but once you get past that, the gameplay is really good. So my number 38, Lahav. I like Lahav. It just is very stressful to set up. I need a better solution for it, and I think I would play it more. And it goes on kind of long for me. Oh, yeah. It, it definitely is a little long. I agree with that 100%. That's why I like Harbor better. It's like Lahav Light. Tiny Epic Yep. Yep. My number 38 is all about the clowns. I cannot believe that this is so high. You love clowns. I do not. Don't you ever say that. I'm going to come back there and punch you. I hate (laughs) clowns. I want everyone to know this. I hate clowns. Don't you be like sending me pictures of clowns. No. I hate clowns. They're creepy. But she loves wicked clowns. Wicked clowns. (laughs) But I do love Into the Echo Side, which is the ICP deck building game. It's got clowns and juggalos. I don't know why. Um, I honestly could care less about the theme. Like, it's stupid. What? You oh heard me. Oh, my gosh. You heard me. It's one of the best themes we have in a game. Stop. You're lying. Um, oddly, like, oddly enough, I don't, I've just had many juggalos <laughs> have tried to come after me in my life. Not like, like, they're interested in me, which makes no sense to me. Because, number one, I hate clowns. And, number two, I just feel like I'm not their type. However, apparently all the all the jugglers love me. But I love Into the Echo Side because it's a good deck builder. There is great synergy between the cards. And once you get a good deck going, like your turn can pull out 10, 12 cards because you're getting the draws, you're hitting. No, m- my turn can't do that. <laughs> your turn can do that. Okay, people who know how to play deck builders right <laughs> can have a really awesome turn. Uh, you're generating whatever they call their buying powers. Uh, I forget what it is. It's not flavor. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But you can also draw flavor cards, which have different abilities. Um, you can hit these posse bonuses, you know, depending on what types of cards you have out there. So those give you extra things to do. Um, yeah, it's it's good. It's good. I like it. Um, and it, because it's a good deck builder, not because I give a crap about ICP or Fago or any of that, because I don't, I don't Whatever. know when, half the things are saying on there. When we're not recording this podcast, Katie's blasting ICP all the time. That's right. I'm wearing huge Jenko jeans too. <laughs> and I just am drinking Fago nonstop and I can't help myself. I have hatchet man chains on right now. You don't even know. <sighs> Anyway, 
But the deck building part of this game is freaking solid. Like it's so good. It's up here high with some of my absolute favorite deck builders. And so that's how you know you can look past stupid clowns, stupid theme. Even I can to see a good game. So my number 38, Into the Echo Side. Just a small factoid. Violent J's brother designed this game. I don't know who Violent J is. It, it does. He's one of the guys on ICP. What you don't know? Oh, I'm moving on. Is right. Nate Dog the other one? No, no, Nate Dog's not an ICP. What is this? Nate Dog is with Warren G, and they like to regulate. What is this? Oh, I thought that was somebody named Nate in the game. I thought that, that he was in there. That's a different Nate. Oh. Uh, you know nothing. About <laughs> You're right, and I don't need to. <laughs> All right. So moving on from some clowns, uh, we're going to go back to when fathers like to get their daughters married off for property or whatever. And this is uh, a game called Signori. It's about Italians, I believe. (laughs) Well, Signori is Italian, yeah. (laughs) So yeah, this is a a dice drafting game where the die you draft, the color, and the value is going to determine which sets of actions you're able to take. You're trying to send your sons off to learn military and maybe do some diplomacy. You're trying to send your daughters off to get married. And you yourself are also trying to, I guess, have keep some of the family behind so they can have kids. I don't know. It's weird. Whatever. The theme is just whatever. You never it's care a, about theme anyway. Right. It's a dice drafting um, area majority type of game that is from What's Your Game. So that should tell you everything you need to know that it's amazing. And... My number 37, Signori. Terrible explanation, but if you like dice drafting and you like crunchy decisions, this would be a game you should play. I've never played this game. This is another one that you keep from me. I know. You should play this one. I think you'd like it a lot. I just always forget to bring it out. I don't know. Yes, I love games where they treat women like chattel. I know. That's why you should play it. That's like your number one theme. Mm, yeah. Just It's right, right, it's right, under, the, right, right under the wicked clowns. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've never played this game, but it, yeah, it seems like something I would like. My number 37 is a theme that I actually do love, and I love it so much, and I will advocate for this game over and over again, and it honestly would be higher if it didn't require a three-player minimum player count, and that is my star. Um, this is a little small box game. I think this is Seiji Kanai also, who I love. Can you believe that? I knew a publisher. I hope it's right. Good job. I think. Well, that's the desi- that's the designer. I mean, designer. Publisher, but, um, but good job. The publisher was AEG. That is right. Good job. Two, two for four, two. Two. Look at me go. I don't know who did the artwork. It. Um, it's, it doesn't matter. It's pretty. Yeah. Stop. Sometimes it does matter. Um, this game is so great. You are a geisha. You are attracting customers. And what I love about it is, so you're playing a set. You get a set hand at the beginning. You're trying to get rid of that hand of cards. You can only get rid of those cards if those cards, which have different types of people, um, Ronins, um, Samurai, Doctor, Damio, um, if they actually become your, your clients. However, you may not possess all the skills required to keep them as your clients. So they can also work as advertisers and they're teaching you and spreading news about your fame and your skills and your talents. Um, And then that's actually boosting your number, your wit. It's wit. um, 
beauty, talent. I can't remember. All, there's like four different. Green, blue, red, and yellow. Oh my gosh, stop. Quit killing my theme. There's four different aspects, attributes that you are working on to attract customers. Also, I want to make it clear, geishas are not prostitutes. Okay? They're entertainers of the highest quality. Who thinks a geisha is a prostitute? Oh, my gosh. Everyone thinks that geishas are Japanese prostitutes. They are not. Uh, n- I don't know why anybody would think that. Are you serious? I've never ever thought that. Right. And I'm not even the most like cultured guy in the world. I know. But I You're like that. Whitey McCracker. I can't believe you didn't think that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Keep going. <laughs> I am on fire tonight. I have got to say. Um. Anyway. So Geisha's Entertainers, the great thing about this game is that you've got that mechanic of I want to get rid of cards, but if I play someone's advertisement, cards go into my hand. Also, if I play cards as customers, I can use their special power. And their special powers are going to help me get rid of cards or add cards to other people or take away their attributes, which all works in my favor. And so you've got these cards that have multi-uses, which is something that I really enjoy in a game. So you're trying to make these really good decisions about what am I going to do with this? How am I going to get rid of these cards um, and catch people off guard before they run out of cards? So they've got a bunch of points in their hand and you're going to sink them. Like, it's it's so good. I like the artwork. Again, I love a little box that has a lot of game. And that's what I think my start is. So that's why it's my number 37. Yeah, this game is good. I remember playing it not that long ago, and I do remember that I liked it. It's just, uh, you know, draw a card, play some cards, but the way that the cards work together is really cool. All right, so my number 36 is a worker placement game with some auction and contract fulfillment. Also Japanese-themed. Also Japanese, yep. And it is called Yido, uh, another game that you haven't played. Yep. But this is effectively Lords of Waterdeep with this extra little guy that goes to the different locations and can slap you around with an auction where you're getting some weapons and some different rooms for your headquarters. The Japanese Sandra. Yeah. Japanese, Japanese Sandra. Sandra. I don't actually know what it is, but some little guy with a hat. And uh, before you do your worker placement, you're going to do some auction. And then what you're trying to do is you're trying to fulfill these contracts that you have in front of you. There's going to be easy, medium and super hard. And what the way you do that is you have to have certain rooms in your headquarters You may need to spend some money. You may need to have one of your ninjas in a certain location on the board. You may have to have a geisha over at your place. And then if you can have all those pieces in line, you can fulfill your contract, claim your reward, and maybe a possible bonus if you have some additional things that are needed. So it's going to take place over 12 or 13 rounds, I think, depending on the number of players. And whoever has the most points at the end is the winner. Cool worker placement game. A little bit deeper than Lords of Waterdeep, but still not super complex by any means. So that's my number 36, Edo. Yep. This is one of those games that you shut me in the closet and won't let me play. Yep. If only it had a clown theme, you'd probably be into it. Oh my gosh, shut up. At least I know the geishas in there aren't prostitutes. (laughs) I already knew that. (laughs) My number 36 (laughs) is a simultaneous action selection game from Keymaster. Shout out. I love you guys, Keymaster. I love you. I do. And this is Campy Creatures. Um, so in Campy Creatures, you are trying to collect the most humans, I think, right? Yeah, you're trying to, yeah, your monsters are trying to, I don't think they kill them, but scare them or something. Yeah. I don't know. Take them back as exhibits. Who knows? Um, so like, I love the theme that it's like these old school monsters, the blob and Dracula and swamp thing. Like, I think that's really fun. I love that about this. 
And then it's so it's like a kooky theme. And I like games where then everyone's involved at the same time. And you're trying to outthink your opponents because um, you get to draft these humans in like a certain order based on the cards that you played. And each monster has a different power and those come into play. And um, I, I, I like when they're firing off on at different times. And like as you play around, you know, you can only play each card once. Unless you get a special thing. But for the most part, you can only play each card once. So when do I play the card? Do I wait for everyone else to play it? Like play it out of their hand? Like what kind of, when are there good treasure cards out there that I want? Treasure cards, but I mean people. When are there they're good like humans out there that I want to scare or whatever um, to get points? Like I just think it's fun. The artwork is awesome. Like it's just a cool little game. It reminds me actually of maybe a simpler version and a different themed version um, of Libertalia. Oh yeah. It's got that simultaneous action selection thing. And numbers that fire off in a certain way with special powers on your characters. And wicked clowns. There are no wicked clowns in this. They are campy creatures. (laughs) Godzilla is there. Godzilla, Gojira ain't going to let no creepy clowns in. We don't roll like that. So that's my number 36, Camp Creatures. Yeah, this is a good game. I think it might have been on my list already. I think it was. Way lower than it should be. Yeah, you're probably right. Your list of fake list news. Is, uh, some more fake news. My number 35 is a Stonemeyer game. And I'm not going to say it's my favorite Stonemeyer game because I'm looking at the list and I'm sure I have some more that are higher up. But possibly my favorite Stonemeyer game. Maybe not. And <laughs> I think Wigs called- higher. Yeah, you're probably right. And this one's called Euphoria, Build a Better Dystopia. Um, So this is um, a dice placement game where you're using dice as workers, going to different spots, and the value of the die that you put out is going to determine the type of action that you can take. Um, You're going to be trying to get resources. You're going to be converting resources into other types of things. You're going to be building some buildings. You're going to be collecting artifacts to turn those in. And the ultimate goal is to be the first person to get all of your stars out on the board. I'm not sure how many stars you have, like 10 or 12. And the first person that can do that immediately wins the game. So it's one of those race games like Jamie likes to do where you need to get your stars out on the board and you're the winner. So uh, my number 35, Euphoria, Build a Better Dystopia. The more I play this, the more I like it, even though I don't. I don't love that mechanic that Jamie's so fond of, of being the first to collect a certain number of stars. I hate that. Um, but this one, I feel like there are diff- so many different ways to go about doing that, that it gives me that freedom that I like in games to kind of make my own way. Um, I just don't like him forcing my hand on a timetable. But yeah, it's pretty good. My number 35 is another deck builder, and it's a good one. It's a Japanese one, and that's Heart of Crown. Um, from Japan Bay Games. This deck builder, I really like. It would be higher if I felt like no matter what cards you pulled out, they always worked. But I like that this game is kind of a two-phase game where at the beginning, you're trying to collect good cards and really beef up <clears throat> your deck. And then you're going to back a princess. Once you back that princess, you're going to move kind of into a second phase of the game where you are getting land and the nobility to help secure her bid for the crown. Um, I feel like it's a female empowering game. I feel like the artwork is cute. Um, There can be some really great synergy between the cards. 
it has a really, I think, helpful kind of mechanic in this, in that the cards that allow you to play extra actions, because you also are going to kind of get action points to be able to play cards, there are arrows on the cards indicate if you can play cards alongside or underneath a card or both. And so then you can like branch off and have lots of different actions happening and you can see what you're allowed to play and when you have to kind of discard cards out of your hand because you can't actually play them, which I think that's really helpful. Um, and that a game that's higher up on my list does not have, but that's my 35, Heart of Crown. Yep, this is a good game. I like this one quite a bit. Um, my number 34 is a game from the Italians. So... I don't need to say much more about it. <laughs> right. And it is called Council of Four. Um, this is, we have the old and busted version. The from, best version. Yeah, the best version. I'm not sure who the publisher is. Cranio, I think. And um, what you're doing in this game, it kind of functions like Ticket to Ride. You're drawing some cards that are going to have some colors. And you're going to be using these cards to bribe one of these four councils that have four members, hence Council of Four. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to bribe these members to be able to build buildings by getting building permits in one of these three locations or by bribing the council that has influence over the king to move him to a certain territory so you can build without a permit. The goal of the game is to be the first person to get all of your, I think they're emporiums, which is your buildings out on the board. But the cool thing about this one is when you build a building and you build another building adjacent to it, meaning a city right next to it, Every building that's adjacent to each other will all fire and give you the reward. So you're trying to build these networks of buildings. So every time you build a building, you're just going to get a pile of stuff. Again, it's just a game to try to get the most points. But the way that this one works is a little different than some of the other ones. Not hard to teach. Not hard to explain. But super fun. So mine is 34. Council of four. I like this game. In fact, I think it is much higher ranked in my list than yours. Shame, shame. I know. I have The next one is, has fallen a little bit for me too. But we'll get there. You're full. You're again, Jason's list is full of fake news. It is terrible. My number 34, I think this game is way higher than it should be, but I really liked it. And I don't think we own this game. No, we have Chris's copy still. We do still have it? Yeah, it's right. I'm looking at it right back here. Good. I want to play it. It's good. My number 34 is Hadara. Um, again, this is kind of. I like how you draft the cards in this one. So you're drafting across. Um, and like, sometimes you want a certain color and you can't get it. I think you're the right game, right? Okay. Yeah. So there's five different colored sections and everybody's drafting from a different colored section. You're taking two cards, you're keeping one and you're discarding the other. Yeah. So then you're like, okay, do I want to spend, cause you have to spend money to buy the cards. And so you're like, Ooh, do I want to buy this card? It's really good, but then I'm not gonna have money to get cards later. I'm just gonna discard them. Um, there's some like really key choices that you're making and then you're going to use these cards and sometimes your money to unlock um, some scoring opportunities for you. So there's a lot of choices to be made here. Um, and then you can also have like some engine building kind of going on between certain types of cards, which I am always game for. Um, so I just think there's a lot of cool possibilities with this game and I would like to play it more. And so that's why it's my number 34, Hadara. Yeah, this is a really good game. It's deep, but it's super fast, too. Yes. And it's everything that Seven Wonders wishes that it could have been. Oh, Seven Wonders blows. Who designed... Who's the designer for Hadara, I feel like? I have no idea. It's oh, He's okay. only done a couple games. He did Hadara and Crown of Amara. I know that. Oh, right, right, right. And it's a yeah, Z-Man game. Can't but... I can't tell you his name, though. Bob. I'm, I would be... 
probably 100% positive and put money on that it's not Bob. Um, yeah, you're probably right. It's Joe. It's um, Benjamin Schwer. 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 Right. See, Bob, Benjamin, I was close. Yeah, okay. All right, so uh, that, that's your 34. Yes, Hedera. All right, so my number 33 is a game that was much higher last year, at least like 10 higher or so. And that game is The Quacks of Quedlinburg. The Quacks of Quedlinburg is a push-your-luck game that I like quite a bit. Uh, You're reaching into a bag and you're pulling out some chits to try to make this potion, but you don't want to pull out too much of one color because your pot will explode. And you're trying to get as many chits in there to get as far as you can to score some points to have enough money to buy extra chips to go into your bag. And there's also an, an event that comes out each round that's going to change the game in some way or another. Just trying to be the p- person that has the most points, but pulling stuff out of the bag is so, so fun. And the expansion makes this game... It doesn't change the game a ton, but I, it just gives me more stuff to do, so I like that. So my number 33, Quacks of Quedlinburg. Yeah, this game should be higher. It's good. So, so good and fun. It should be. 33 is pretty high, but yeah, I, I was going to... I thought it would be in the top 20, but I guess not. I bet mine is. Um, <coughs> my number 33 is... A Stonemaier game, yeah? Yes. And it is Viticulture. I haven't played this one for a while, but I really like it. It's I really like the worker placement. I like how you pick when you get up. So in Viticulture, you are running a vineyard, and you have to go around and do stuff <laughs> on your vineyard. So you're going to want to make improvements to it. You're going to want to plant grapes. You're going to want to harvest them. You're going to want to turn them into wine. You're going to want to age that wine. You want to, you want to give that wine and sell it off to customers. Um, you want to give tours of your vineyard because you want to keep money flowing. Like um, it's really pretty. It has this really pastoral kind of look to it, which I find very soothing. Um, I like how you're aging the wine. It's got those like clear colored kind of bubbles that you move over. Um, the wine, so you know, kind of like the quality that it has, the agedness of it, and you can make, you know, reds, whites, blushes. Um, I, I, there's so much to like about this game. I like worker placement games, and it it feels relaxed. And I don't think it's like a usual Jamie game where you're racing to a certain number of points. Yeah, you, you're racing to 20. Oh, crap. First person to hit 20. Okay. But not stars. It's not stars. You're it's just trying to get points. It's not stars, but it's the same. Um, since there's so much buildup to getting points, I feel like this isn't as corralling as some of his other games are. They're like that. I wish he would quit that mechanic. It's annoying. That's why I probably like Wingspan better than this. Here's There's a hint. That's a big <sighs> spoiler. Um because it doesn't have that. But still, Viticulture is a great game. And um, I actually feel like it's a nice kind of, I wouldn't say it's family weight, but it's a way, a good bridge to like more complex gaming for people. So that's my number 33, Viticulture. Yep, this is great. And I will talk about this on an upcoming episode. So my number 32 is a game from Surf and Meeple, I think. Some rando designer that I have no idea what his name is because I didn't look at it. And it's called Xi'an. That's China, right? Yes. I've been there. Yeah. So this is a game where players, are, you're trying to build terracotta warriors and then paint them your color for some reason. I don't know. But 
effectively you're building these warriors and you're trying to get some area control out on this little board of your colored terracotta warriors. But the cool thing about this is you're using two cards per turn. One of the cards you're going to use for a number of like action power. So the higher the number, the quicker the card fires off. But when you're using it for that, you can't use it for the power of the card. So the second card that you would play would be the power that you want to use. So you're trying to decide, well, which card do I want to fire off and which card do I actually want to use the ability of? And then you're going to be moving a little worker around that's going to determine which action you're going to take. There's not a lot going on here, but it's a fairly complicated game just because there's so much you can do with two cards. There's so many possibilities of actions. The Terracotta Warriors look amazing on the board. And it's just a cool underrated game in my opinion. So my number 32, Xi'an. Yeah, I think our copy is from Surfing Meeple, and it's designed by Marco Legato and Francesco Testini. Are those Italians? Is that an Italian name? It sounds Italian. Uh, yes, one's from Naples. Everybody who, all the Italians, like this This isn't the Italian collective, but man, Italians can design some games. And Marco Legato, I don't know anything about him. Domo Arigato? No. Stop it. He's born in Turin. Hmm. And then when he, but when he was eight, he moved to Brussels. So cool. But at thirteen, he returned to Italy. So yes, I mean, seriously, Italian. So a game by an Italian. That's all you need to know. However, it's about China, and I, <laughs> I, I, I do like it. Um, and I've been to Xi'an and seen the actual Terracotta Warriors. So this game is always fun because it brings back really fond memories. I've been to P.F. Chang's and seen the Terracotta <laughs> oh my Warriors. God, stop. What do you think about that? Stop. What did I call you, Whitey McCracker earlier? Yes. <laughs> stop. <laughs> My number 32 is an Eric M. Lang game. Isn't that what you told me the other day? It is. It is Eric M. Lang and Antoine Bowser. And Antoine Bowser. That's true. So Bowser is balancing this out. But it's a Simon game. And it does. It doesn't have minis. It does have minis. It has minis. Yeah, it has to- tons of minis. Yeah. Big buildings. And that is Victorian Masterminds. Um, when we first played it, I was like, oh, it's okay. I was really drawn to this game because of the artwork. Like it's this cool kind of steampunk look. Um, like a cartoony steampunk. But the more I play it, the more I really like this game. Um, so in Victoria Masterminds, you have like four different workers and they're in the shape of these gears. And, or maybe more than four. I don't know. Uh, yeah, four, six, something like that, yeah. But yeah, four or five, I think. I don't think it's six. Um, and they each do different things. You're going to lay them down at these different locations in order to help you like get parts to build your doomsday machine or to attack and like steal famous landmarks you know assorted like dastardly mastermind things in order to help them add to your points at the end and so you're playing your workers and waiting till i think three workers are at a location in order for that location to fire and activate and then um your workers power whatever it is activates as well as whatever the space has and it's just really fun. I really, I like it because you're making these choices. There is one worker that can negate the worker that follows it. Because when you fire off a certain location, you're going to flip these gears um, over so everyone can see them. And so it's like goes in reverse order of how they were played. No, the first person goes, the first person's gear goes first. So you have to think about, okay, what's going to be played? And you don't always have control over... Um, what worker you have to play on your turn. It's whatever kind of shows up at first. Um, and then you can can grow in your abilities and kind of have 
sort of a little bit of an engine going as you build different parts onto your doomsday machine and the artwork is also really cute like i said so my number 32 is victorian masterminds yeah don't play this game at two it's not that great at two i would always play it at three or four or five whatever it goes to i think it might only go to four but play it always at more than two because it's better well even with the, the maximum player counts like it doesn't take longer because you're all just like laying a disc. Like it moves right, very yeah, quickly. Super fast. All right. So my number 31 is an Alexander Feaster game. And I think you've already talked about I have. this one. I, I do remember that because I was like, I don't remember about this game, but I know it was good. <laughs> so I'm not going to talk too much about it. And this is called Blackout Hong Kong. So this is a game where players are trying to rescue different sections of hong kong from the blackout by providing batteries and food and gas and water and all that stuff and it has the same card mechanism from mombasa where you're going to play a card to one of these three or four sections on your board depending on if you've unlocked the fourth one and then at some point you got to pick up all the cards from one of the sections and they're your new cards to play uh, you're also trying to do some contract fulfillment to get to re- that's how you recruit new cards into your deck which is kind of interesting and then um, there's more stuff going on, but it, it's per, it's got a lot going on, but it's not super complicated to teach, and it's just fun. So my number 31, Blackout Hong Kong. Yeah, I liked it, obviously. And my number 31, the last game that we're going to talk about on this podcast today, this episode, is another deck builder. And this had once been much higher, and I still like it. Um I just, I might have found deck builders I like better. But number 31 is Tonto Quarry, also known as the Slutty Maid game. <laughs> um, this game is really good. It's a really great deck builder. It's got some really great mechanics, and this includes all different expansions, which I have all of them. My favorite being um, the Winter Romance expansion, which includes butlers. I like the... Um, gender equality of it, although it would be much better if the butlers were skinnily clad, but they're anime looking, so they're all just very slim and kind of pasty, but... <laughs> like B- like like BTS? Yeah. They're Korean, not Japanese. Look. You're right. Stop but talking, still... Whitey McCracker, okay? You don't know. We don't venture in here. Don't venture in. You don't know. Um... <laughs> I'm just saying, they do kind of look like they could be in BTS. Sure, honey. Um, uh, the maids in general are actually much better dressed in in this in that expansion as well. That's yeah, that's true. And each one has like a different little kind of mechanic to it. Um, that one you're actually like matching up couples to go on dates, which gives you some points. So that's kind of a neat little feature. But the thing that the reason why this is higher than a couple of the other um, deck builders I mentioned tonight is the fact that no matter what combination of cards you pull out and you have choices of which mage you're going to play in the game they always provide a great experience they are gelling and synergizing and working um no matter who you pull out which i think is really cool and that's why i think it's just a well-designed well-balanced game the hard part is yes the text is very small so you often find yourself staring at a card with a, a rather boobalicious NSFW maid trying to figure out what the heck she does. Um, But that aside, the gameplay is really great. Um, Maids can give you love, which is how you buy, how you recruit other maids. I don't want to say buy because you don't buy humans. Um, 
So love is how you recruit other maids to your deck. Um, There's also service, which is like your action points that allow you to play um, your maid cards that have abilities. And then um, some maids that allow you to draw cards and there are other maids that allow you to put something into a chamber, which is also action points. So there's chambering actions, which is where you remove a maid from general service and she becomes like a private service maid. Um, and that kind of is a, a way, another way to gain points because some maids only score points if they're chamber maids. Um, other maids just score points for being in your deck. So then it's a balance of, okay, do I have enough points? Do I have more points than my opponent? Um, do I need to chamber more maids? What's in my chamber? How can I really make these cards more effective? Um, There are a couple like high point maids that, you know, if you end up with a handful that has a lot of love in it, you can recruit them to work with you. Uh, I just, it's just a good game. So my number 31, Tonto Quarry. Yep, that is pretty good. You want to recap our number 40 through 31? Yes. So my number 40 is, I just had it pulled up. There it is. Uh, Imaginarium. My number 39 is Everdell, 38, La Havre, 37, Signori, 36, Yido, 35, Euphoria, 34, Council of Four, 33, The Quacks of Quedlinburg, 32, Xi'an, and 31, Blackout Hong Kong. I feel like I didn't talk about Council of Four when you talked about it, but maybe because I know it's a lot higher. It's real good. Could be, yeah. All right, so my number 40 is Bargain Quest. 39, Abomination, Air of Frankenstein. 38, Into the Echo Side with those insane clowns. 37, My Star. 36, Campy Creatures. 35, Heart of Crown. 34, Hadara. 33, Viticulture. 32, Victorian Masterminds. And rounding out my 30s, number 31, Tonto Quarry. So those are 40 to 31. We're getting to the top 20. And to be honest, I know that crafting a top 100 list is a lot for you guys, for people in general. I probably wouldn't have done it, and it did take a lot of time to do it for the podcast. However, a top 20, you can do that. So please start crafting maybe a top 20 game so that we can hear from you, because that's one of the things that we love about this podcast is hearing from people who, for some reason, are gracious enough to listen to us ramble on. So, how can you talk to us? I'm so glad you asked. Find us on Facebook, The Board Game Mechanics. Even better, join our Facebook group, hashtag The Riveted, with so many awesome people posting about games there. We would love that. Um, we are on Twitter. We are on um, Instagram. In- Instagram, yep. <laughs> we are on YouTube, which we've got unboxing videos. We've got, I'm trying to feature myself a little more in videos. So Jason's not the only one pulling that load. We've got tons of reviews out there. Um, like, subscribe, comment. That would be great. Um, that's how I got my fickle favorite for this week. Fred commented on one of our YouTube videos. So, hey, you might get a shout out on the podcast. Not that that's, you know, super exciting or anything, but I'll talk about you for a while. Um, So, yes, please connect with us. Um, We love hearing from you guys. You guys are awesome and, like, one of the main motivations for us doing this. I agree. (sighs) All right. I agree. I'm winding down my semester from teaching, and, boy, do I have a lot of grading to do for, like, 60-plus students. It's bad. So i got to wrap this up and get to work. I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming.
you're an insane clown. <laughs>